that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is your Thursday edition. It is edition 1.2, actually, of this Thursday edition of Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird with Stephen Weens. We recorded a whole episode earlier today. We were talking about, in part of that, the wrap-up of Ohio State summer camps and Taven St. Clair and how he'd been hanging around more than Ohio State expected him to, or the more than we expected him to at this time last week. And that, you know, maybe you should be on commitment watch and maybe that should be happening soon. And then we stopped recording and about a half hour later, I think he said, yeah, all right, now, how about now? Let's commit now. So Ohio State has its second commitment in the 2025 class, but most importantly, it has its quarterback in the 2025 class. So, Stephen, let's start off. Just give us the nuts and bolts of Tavian St. Clair from... Um, an in-state guy, which is, as you pointed out, first in-state guy, potentially is if he gets a signing day, he'd be the first in-state guy since Joe Burrow. Which is hilarious in its own right. Ohio, there's a lot of moving parts here, right? A, a year ago, I don't think anybody would have said that, hey, who Ohio State's, who's going to be Ohio State's 2025 quarterback? If you had to make an early prediction right now, who might claim that spot? I don't think anybody would have said Tavian Sinclair. And a lot, he was, he showed up to a camp last summer and to a 707 event. He was skinny. He was still tall. I mean, he's six foot three and a half, maybe six foot four. He was tall, but he was skinny. He was long and lanky. Wasn't the most athletic kid in the world. Very raw as a pot passer. It just wasn't there, right? I, you just didn't see it. You maybe went, Maybe he's a good Mac player, but you're not thinking this is a dude who might be on five-star watch. And something clicked for him. And I, I asked him, what what changed? And really, it's not – some of it is just these are teenagers who are still growing. He's put on about 40 pounds. He said he played at about 180 last year. He's about 216 right now. But it's the physical growth. But really, he just started looking at himself a little bit differently. He used to walk into places last year and look at some of these top guys and didn't think he could play with them. He didn't have a lot of confidence in himself. And at some point, he just stopped looking at himself as less than and started thinking he could hang with some of those guys. And really, the more he thought that, the more it came into fruition. And so over the last couple of months here, he had started down this path um, he's got 25 offers now. Uh, about two weeks ago, he and his family took a sw- went through the South and started getting a lot of those offers. Alabama came along. I think Mississippi State came along. I don't think Georgia came along quite yet, but some of these bigger schools started to come along now in a way that I think over the next year, we're going to watch a kid turn into a five-star recruit because what I've seen from him, whether it was that Thursday at the fourth day camp of the year or him popping up in the afternoon of the Tuesday day camp, the last day camp. And then what I got to see from him Wednesday, actually spinning, even if you're not hitting, getting to just see him read offenses, make reads and push the ball down the field. That is a very different quarterback than I saw a year from now, a year ago. And there are people in this program who agreed with me, which is why it was, I mean, we're ready for you to commit whenever you want to commit. And, that turns out to be on Wednesday, on Wednesday evening as he leaves Ohio State and heads home, finishing runner-up in that 707 event to the guy that I think at that point 
most people would have thought had a better chance of being Ohio State's quarterback. And that's Ryan Montgomery, who's a top 200 recruit in the son of, and then, excuse me, the brother of current freshman Luke Montgomery. You'd have probably given the leeway to him at that point. And that has very much changed. I think Ryan's still going to be a high level quarterback with schools like Georgia who are on his tail, but something has the confidence really clicked in Tavian in a way that it has led to this kind of jump-started rise for a guy who right now is 333. I would expect him to be within the top 200 the next time they update those rankings. And really, by the time we get to signing day next year, so this is a whole another 18 months until he signs, but you feel a lot more comfortable about it because he's an in-state kid. I won't be shocked if he's a five-star quarterback. So Sinclair is from Bell Fountain, and by the way, I got all of your texts I'm pronouncing it correctly, I believe. Now I, I should have known all the time I spent in Indiana, uh, where phonics mean nothing rel- relative to geography. Uh, so Bell Fountain, Ohio. So not all that far from Columbus, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. maybe forty-five minutes, hour, like hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Um, now I'm getting all the texts of, of of not knowing exactly where Bell Fountain is. You can you can say we'll, we'll figure it out over the course of the next uh, couple of years. Um, but it, as you as you just alluded to, it wasn't as if it there was a good chance that Ohio State's drought of signing an in-state quarterback would end with this class, whether it was him, mm-hmm. whether it was Ryan Montgomery. But we've also seen this happen in, at other positions. Um, and we've seen it happen at quarterback, frankly, in the last couple of years, where Ohio State uh, maybe didn't quite put in the groundwork necessary or get out in front on a guy. And then when they have a maybe surprising opening later, the groundwork is mm-hmm. – is has, there, there isn't enough time to put in the groundwork. I'm talking about Drew Aller, I guess, is the, the main example go. of yeah. this, where they, they tried to get back with him, but he had already moved on to Penn State, and uh, I think that makes sense. So what was different about that? Is it that we're early enough in the time frame with this being a 2025 signing that Ohio State was able to quickly make up a lot of ground? Had they put in, even when he wasn't this level of prospect, were they putting in the right level of sort of uh, relationship building with the possibility that if he got to this level, they would jump. How did, how do you see that having worked out? Yeah, they, he camped a couple of times and he built a strong relationship with Corey Dennis and Ryan day. And the, some of the other guys who are associated with the court and fits and all well, fits and a lot of these other guys. I think, I think the big difference between this situation and the Drew Aller situation is Ohio State isn't as sold on this year's twin viewers. And I'm not like, and I'm not saying that the perfect recruiting, just the best quarterback in the country, right? You got the best quarterback in the country a year and a half before signing day. You take him, especially at that point where Drew Aller was similarly ranked to where Tavia, Tavian St. Clair is right now. But you're sold on Quinn Ewers as a prospect. So you go get Quinn Ewers. And unfortunately, it didn't work out and some things changed and you had to go back into the pool. You had to go back into the pool. But if Quinn Ewers never reclassifies, it doesn't matter what Drew Aller's doing because you're already locked in there. Uh, Bryce Underwood is the closest thing to that right now. He's the top quarterback in this class. He's the number three player overall. He's from Michigan, though 
this is not a situation where I think like you choose this kid and then Bryce Underwood ends up at Michigan. I honestly don't think Bryce Underwood even ends up in the Big Ten. I think he might end up in the SEC. I think it might be a similar thing to what we saw with Dante Moore, another Michigan five-star kid who ended up at UCLA. I think Underwood might be the same way. If you ask the hierarchy of the three guys that were seriously considering as the quarterbacks in this class, Tavian St. Clair was number one. In a way, it, it doesn't matter what the stars are and the rankings are right now. On their board, Tavian St. Clair was number one. Drew Aller was never number one over Quinn Ewers. And I see, so that's the difference there. It's not about you got in at the ground level because it's not a situation where you have Bryce Underwood, but you're also continuing to build this in a way that if Bryce goes – if it goes other where Tavian's waiting for you. Tavian is your number one option in a way that a in-state quarterback hasn't really been a number one option in a while. Because I understand Danny Clark was committed here in 2017, but they should have never offered him that early, which is why they moved on for him the way they did to Quinn, Quinn Ewers. It's been a long time. I don't even know if you would call Joe Burrow the number one option in that 2015 class as a quarterback recruit. Maybe the last number one option when it came comes to in-state quarterbacks, was probably Braxton Miller as a five-star in that 2011 class, which is why he's also the last in-state quarterback where you can say he was truly QB1 at Ohio State. Because you remember, Cardell Jones is the last one to start here, but he came into that job because of what happened to JT Barrett, and then it became a thing here. Joe Burrow, everything that makes him what he is today happened because he didn't win the job. At Ohio State. So it's been a decade since they've signed somebody from Ohio. It's been even longer since they've had an in-state Ohio kid truly be considered QB1 at Ohio State. And this is a kid that they think Intavian Sinclair has the potential to one day be that. So, yeah, 14-year gap maybe in what you're mm-hmm. talking about between the last time that there was a, a an, an ideal like this in the quarterback room. You've seen him play three times or work out at least three times in the past week. <clears throat> so this is you're very fresh in your mind. Describe him as a quarterback. Describe him as a football player. And does he fit kind of the Ohio State type that they've been working with here in in recent years? Yeah, he he's in the same mold. I don't, he's not quite CJ Stroudish on that scale. There, we always say the closer to you know Justin Fields or CJ Stroud with the athleticism. I think. I think we're going to see what Tavion is in this coming quarterback. If Kyle McCord wins the job, you know, a guy who's bigger dude in the pocket, strong in the pocket has a chance to have a really, really strong arm. I think his arm is still growing because he's still learning how to use it. I think there's still some arm strength that needs to be developed there as his mechanics get better. But I think that there's going to be some similarities to what Kyle McCord is as a thrower here. Well, also, I think he's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well. But I think so far we've seen the Justin Fields hat. We're seeing the C.J. Stroud hat. You probably throw Aaron Nolan in that hat as well. Whatever Devin Brown ends up being, it will probably be its own hat. And I think Kyle McCord will end up being its whole hat as well. And I think I might throw Tavian Sinclair into some, some comparisons there, even if you know, physically he maybe looks like Dylan Rayola and Patrick Mahomes. So why do you think ultimately he became the number one guy on their board? And did it have anything to do with – because he, he had to maybe not surpass Ryan Montgomery, but, mm-hmm. but clearly we were talking last week on this pod that there was some head-to-head basically going on 
at the day camp. And the, both those guys were working out. And Ohio State was getting a look at them um, in succession. And did the fact that maybe there would be a bigger fight for Montgomery have anything to do with this? Or did your read of it, is it just his talents, his skills, and the projection that Ohio State is making is what made him number one on the board? Uh, no, I, I would say there, were, there was a window there where Ryan probably could have pulled the trigger. Right. It's, it's, you can't, cause it's, I, some of this is, and I think there's always a lesson to be learned. Cause I think Jaden Davis has some of the same concept where, and I was talking to a recruit. I was actually talking to a, a prospect today about that. We were just having a nice conversation about the recruiting game and how it works sometimes. And, you know, sometimes we say to these kids, you have all the time, you have time to make your decision and they'll come back out. And he came back at me and he said, I don't have time. I don't have a lot of time to make this decision. There's not that many scholarships, and they fill up fast. Now, if you're talking about receiver, you're talking about some of these positions where there's three, four guys on the field, maybe I do. you do have time. But there are some positions, and he pointed out quarterback, and he pointed out running back specifically. And he said, those two spots, you don't have time. You need to find where you fit in, and you need to pick that school and not waste anybody's time because the longer you wait, somebody may come along that – the school you really like, likes better than they like you. And I'm not saying that's 100% what happened here, but that does happen in recruiting. From a football perspective, there's just a special trait. You hear them say that all the time. There are the, a few special things about Tavian that because he's still kind of new to all this and he's still pretty raw, but just the physical makeup and some of the tools that he has to his in his in his arsenal that he doesn't even really know how to use yet, that really excited some guys on his coaching staff. Um, plus, they just think he's a quote unquote unquote. They just think he's a baller, which always you know gets you a little bit of juice when you're talking about quarterbacks. But I just think there are some things there that aren't. Un- it, it felt like with him in comparison to Ryan. Ryan is a very skilled. Actually, I'm going to use your example again. There's the two guys who run the same time in a 100-meter dash, but one has perfect form and the other one has form where it's like he needs to work on his form. Who's faster? The guy who doesn't have perfect form, right? And that's what it feels like is happening here with Ryan Montgomery and Tavian St. Clair within Ohio State's eyes. Interesting. Um, You – this is – so it's a second commitment for this class. Yep. But it is a little bit behind schedule mm-hmm. for by Ohio State standards for getting the quarterback for the class, right? Um, mm-hmm. But from everything I was hearing from St. Clair today, you were texting this to our, our texter, 614-350-3315, as soon as it left his mouth. Um, he really wanted to get this going. And this is where, I mean, all the signs were really pointing to Ohio State at this point and that, that this commitment yeah. was coming because <laughs> he was basically telling people, I want to I want to commit so I can start being the, the magnet for this class. Or mm-hmm. um, if, even if he's not a, a quarterback of that esteem yet, he can still start becoming the leader of this class. He can still start becoming a guy that, that helps build this class. What did he say about those things today? And what about his personality can help Ohio State build this 2025 class? Yeah, his exact quote was, I like to bring people in by committing early. That's now part of my job. 
and he he wants to do that. He wants to be a leader. And I asked him, is that because you're a quarterback and is that because you're Tavian? And he said, it's more because I'm Tavian. It's just the type of person he is. There is He sees the benefit of this. He said, there is a reason I've been at Ohio State as much as I have the past week and a half. I get good coaching when I come here. So now, like we said, he lives about a 45 minutes to an hour away. He doesn't have to worry about going to visit other schools and go through the recruiting process. He can just come down to Columbus and get coaching when he wants to get that type of coaching. But also he can put his focus into helping this 2025 class be really good. And really, this is the – go back to the 2021 class when they got Jack Sawyer early, five-star defensive player. They got – Kyle McCord, who at the time wasn't a five-star, but ends up being a five-star quarterback. Ryan Day has said this. You get your quarterback and you get your defensive guy and you build around those guys. In 21, they did it perfectly, and it ended up with the number two class in the country. They were doing it in 2022 until stuff happened with Quinn. But they had Quinn and they had C.J. Hicks, and they started to build around that. In 2023, it went a little sideways because they went about quarterback a little bit different. In 2024, it was supposed to be Aaron Nolan, and the defense was just going to have to take a little bit of time here, but it was supposed to be Aaron Nolan and Garrett Stover. Stover's still here helping to recruit. He finally got a defensive buddy in Peyton Pierce, and then they got another one in Jalen McClain, and the rest of them are going to be coming here in the next couple of weeks. But – now you've got Aaron Nolan, who's serving as the quarterback in that class. This is now the second time that they've had a situation where you've had Jonte Gilbert, a five-star safety for basically a year now. Once again, you've got to continue to hold on to that one because that's a Georgia kid, so we'll see. But you've got that kid, and now you've got your quarterback who might end up being a five-star just like Kyle McCord, or at least top 100, top 50 kid. I think he has that type of potential. And the people in that building think he has that type of potential too, which is more important than what anybody who's top, any media member thinks. The fact that the coaching staff who has habitually put out first-round quarterbacks thinks that is all that matters in this situation. You've got those two guys. Now let's start building the rest of the class. Let's go get Heartline's receivers. Let's go get the running backs, the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the cornerbacks. I need to go in the class as well. So let's plot out the quarterback room real quick before we wrap up. So 2023, yeah. we know it's going to be either Comacord or Devin Brown. Uh, for 2024 starter, both of those options actually would still be on the table. It could be a second yep. year Comacord <laughs> uh, starting. It could be a second year Devin Brown starting. It could be a first year Devin Brown starting. Uh, there aren't a lot of positions where I think it would be neither of them. So I would say it's probably no. one of those two starting for 2024. 2025 mm -hmm. is the first year where you start to think, well, maybe there's a a true vacancy on the horizon. Is he someone uh, in St. Clair? Can he come in and compete for that right away? We assume that's actually second year Aaron Nolan's mm -hmm. job probably at this point. But what do you see, I guess, as the as the upside on – St. Clair, does he have the potential? I know you, you think he's going to climb in the recruiting rankings, but yeah. there's a the way that this program recruits its quarterbacks, just getting in the top 200 is it's good, mm -hmm. but it's not that it doesn't separate you in this from the talent in this room, uh, much as it doesn't at a, at a lot of positions, but especially a quarterback. So, is this a guy that is potentially on that path to? become a starter someday and be thinking about being a first round NFL draft pick the way a lot of these other guys are, or does he fall somewhere else where it uh, doesn't mean you couldn't still have a productive career, but uh, he may not be, he's going to have to still develop a lot to be the guy who pushes past 
either the guy they just recruited in the class ahead of him or the guy who may be coming after him. Yeah, I think he's got starter potential here. I think that I think the way Ohio State recruits its room, it's always going to pop into situations where every so often it's probably best if a guy pulls a Dwayne, right, where he's just good enough to be a one-year starter and gone. It would be very, very helpful, especially if Kyle McCord wins the job, if he's just, like, really good enough to be a one-and-done guy. And it would be very, very helpful again to Ohio State if Devin Brown is the same way. Just because it keeps, it would be very helpful if they're in a situation where we get to 2025 and now your next multi year starting quarterback is probably Aaron Nolan in that situation. I don't think that uh, Taven's good enough to come in here and win the job as a true freshman. I mean, Kyle McCord, for, I mean, he was really, really good and he wasn't that, he wasn't good enough to challenge CJ Stroud, who was also a top 100 recruit. I, I think it's a situation where I won't be shocked if, I'm saying he, I won't be shocked if he's a five-star, but I also won't be shocked if he spends his first two years being the backup behind a guy like Aaron Nolan. And I think the only difference will be, be regardless of what his ranking is, because he's from Ohio, I don't think we'll, we'll be as keen on the idea of, well, what if he leaves? The same way that we've had those conversations with Kyle McCord because of his background, because he wasn't necessarily from Ohio. I think an in-state guy just like Joe Burrow was, would be a little bit more open to sitting in a way that we're not asking him about it as much. Yeah, we're like, even after the first or second year, it might not be. At some right. point, it would come to a head. At some point, it would be a conversation, just as it was with Joe Burrow. I'm not right. sure that Ryan Day would 100% agree with you. I don't know that he knows who his quarterback is going to be yet. But mm. I think he'd be fine with having two years of Kyle McCord as the proven better starter option if it, if it worked out that way. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Because he's talked in the past about yeah. how the, the churn kind of gets to you a little bit. And you're, you're getting these guys for like two years max. And like one, the last time he had a one, it worked out okay for Ohio State. It didn't work out that great for Dwayne Haskins, the late now Dwayne Haskins as a, as a pro prospect. And I, I wonder if, you know, we'll see everybody's different, but I, I think he would be okay. I mean, there would obviously be some ramifications for that. If common Cord were to stick around, if common Cord won the job and then stuck around for a second year, but mm-hmm. that's why you keep recruiting the room the way they do year after year. Right. So there isn't a, a, a chasm behind him. If someone were to leave. Yeah, I think it comes down. There's pros and cons to everything. And you got to, what cons are you okay with? Or well, you're not okay with them, but what cons are you willing to live with? Because, I mean, the, if Kyle stays for two years, Devin's probably not staying. Or, right. and if he is staying to not be the starting quarterback until year four, Air Nolan is probably not sticking around for three years. You know, Tavian Sinclair, even he's probably not. Joe Burrow sticking around for four years probably isn't happening again. That's That's just not... It's not where we're at with quarterback situations anymore. And so you want it, it's, it's the, some of what Ryan Day says sometimes is him wanting the best of both worlds, though. It's like, I want the four year starting Fair. quarterback, but I also want to recruit a quarterback every single year. But I also don't want to, you know, there's, it's, it's, Fair. You, you can't have, you can't have the best of everything. And so I, I, I take it at, it's so some of it is taking it as what do you think they're okay with? What do you know they're okay with? What have they, what has, have they shown you that makes it seem like they would be okay if this happens? 
Okay, I think they would. He would love to have Kyle McCord for two years. I think he would love to have Devin Brown for two years. I know what he doesn't want is a situation where we get to twenty twenty five, and both of those guys are still here, and it runs off what's coming next because that's going to throw off your room, and then you get to a situation like twenty nineteen where you're going, you're an injury away from your entire season going down the drain because it's Justin Fields or behind him. So there's, there's gotta be, I, I think the idea that's been thrown out there of the one year of Kyle McCord, one year of Devin Brown, and then two years of whoever the 2024 guy just seems has always felt like the most seamless way to keep this train rolling. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think, you know, those, those families, those, those quarterbacks will have some individual decisions to make if it were yeah. to start unfolding like that, just as far as what's most prudent for them uh, as prospects it's it's weird though because we've just so come to expect the Ohio State starting quarterback to play at a first round draft pick Heisman Trophy level pretty much right off the bat so uh, that makes for an interesting conversation every December or every other December depending on how you look at it so um, that's the update on Tavian St. Clair, that is the second commitment for the 2025 class. We have a lot more to talk about with the 2024 class. A lot of that's going to hold till next week, though. Uh, We are going to get into one topic, though, as it relates to the 2024 class. We come back from this break because it's about another quarterback who is not coming to Ohio State, but the impact he could have elsewhere. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk, and as Ohio State's quarterback for the 2025 class, we're getting ready to announce his commitment. Its former commitment for the 2024 class at quarterback was announcing that he is on the move again to his fourth high school in four years, and that is Dylan Riola. I feel like it's we would touch base on Dylan Riola. We would just be curious about him. It would just be a thing that's hanging out there. He's the number one prospect in the country. We would want to he'd be on our radar regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the situation. It was announced reported Wednesday that he is transferring to um, from his home in Arizona to uh, Georgia, where he'll be finishing his college career. He is right now a Georgia commit. So obviously in general, uh, we'll get into the Ohio state potential implications here. They're not implications really for him, but it's implications of the people that are now around him potentially. But in general, you know, we, this is a this is a uh, a text that we got right after this news came out, and it's a little hyperbolic. But I don't want your reaction. Uh, it was sent to Doug, but Doug is uh, off this week, so it's just Stephen and I. Um, is it just me, or is the Rayola situation starting to feel like Terrell Pryor? Feels like a guy who could be great or wreck your program, and quote, only time will tell. And again, I think that's hyperbolic. I don't think that Dylan Rayola has quite the um, the sheen of uh, scandal already kind of swirling around him. But I do think there – I understand why people look at this and say, even in today's modern world of college football, this is a lot of bouncing around for one dude to do. This is fourth high school in four years. And we've seen that. There's been people before who have spent time at multitude of high schools. You see it a lot in basketball. Like Kevin Durant played at multiple schools. Mark Stoudemire played at multiple schools. So it's, it's not that much. It's the idea of playing at multiple schools isn't what makes it crazy. It just feels like there, 
I can understand why somebody will look at the Dylan Raiola situation and be like, this just feels like a lot. Whether it's the 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 different high schools, the you know being committed to Ohio State so early, and then eight months into it, kind of what feels like for, if you're from the outside looking, it feels like it's out of the blue. And even on the inside, sometimes if it can feel like it's out of the blue, to now all of a sudden you're at Georgia, and it's felt like in that mo in that window between decommitting from Ohio State and committing to Georgia, there were times where it felt like Nebraska was going to win, and it felt like USC was going to have a little bit of momentum, and then Georgia ultimately won. It just felt like this has been three years of Dylan Rayola being in the news for a lot of different things. Where if you're just a casual fan of whether it's your college football team or just in recruiting in general, it feels like I just can't keep up with this guy. So uh, it, it's not quite to the trail prior level because I don't think his personality, I've gotten to, I've met him a couple of times, is the same as what Terrell Pryor's was, where it feels like a scandal is going to break out at some time during his college football career. But it does feel like if, if you thought Quinn Ewers took you on a bit of a roller coaster ride, it felt like Dylan Royola did that to the next degree. So that's not Terrell prior level, but it is high profile player keeps doing things that are high profile. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. It's it, four schools in four years is a lot. I, you know, I, I, as you mentioned, that this has been going on for a while. I'm old enough to remember when Kevin Garnett transferred from, I don't remember the name of the school in, in South Carolina where he mm. grew up to Farragut Academy in Chicago. And people are like, oh, one of the best players in the country is transferring and it looks suspicious to people or whatever. Um, but four and four years is a bunch. I mean, you know, um, Devin Brown, he transferred late in his career. Yeah. He went to two high schools in the course of his career. And we've seen athletes do this over time, whether it's just coincidental that there's a transfer, whether it is for some, you know, trying to operate in the margins and push just, I mean, you've already got your, you're already the number one recruit in the country. You've already got your scholarship from the two-time defending national champion locked up, mm -hmm. but yet you're still trying to find just like every little advantage you can squeeze out of, I guess, your development over these next couple of years. Is this, I mean, how much of this do you feel like was influenced by Georgia? I know you're on the outside. You're just speculating or you yeah. may, you may yeah, have read yeah. the coverage that's out there, but like, does this feel to you like a shrewd move by Kirby smart or by his, by, by the Georgia program. And do you anticipate Ohio state now having to dip its toe into arrangements like this in the future? Um, I'm sure a conversation was had and I can assure you that there was nobody on Georgia's side who was like, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't move closer to us. I, I, like I said, I'm from that standpoint, I'm a consumer just like you. So I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves here and I, it doesn't seem like Kirby Smart went to the Rayola family who's, I mean, they come from an NFL background. So they know how this works a little bit. It's not, it doesn't seem like anybody from Georgia's side went to Ray, Dylan Rayola and his family and said, you should move to Georgia. It seems like the other thing happened and Georgia said, ah, we're not going to tell you no, which is very similar to, and, and it's a different category, but the concept of it kind of matters here. Quinn Ewers showing up here a year early, right? Ohio State's not sure. going to tell Quinn Ewers to not do it, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, well, it's not something that you're, you yeah. can afford to tell the kid to not do, even if you would rather him not do it. Um, we've seen, Smaller elements of this. I'll bring Paris Johnson into the fold. 
a guy who was at Saint X is it's now he didn't transfer across the country, but he went to a school where he was not going to be able to early enroll. So then he spent his senior year, which was basically six months of high school, going to his mother's alma mater, Princeton High School, so that he mm-hmm. was at a school where he could show up in January. And then he showed up in January as a first round draft pick. Uh, Tate Martell, who I don't even know if that's a <laughs> the name I should be bringing up with this kind category because oh, it might fly in the same zone. Bring Tate you Martell know? up as much as you it want. Might fly that in is, the same zone. is an underlying right, theme cool. of Buckeye Tate talk. Martell. Let's- yeah, Bishop Gorman was technically not the last school Tate Montel went to. He transferred to another school that would have allowed him to early enroll. So we've seen that kids spend the last six months at a different school than the school they've been at just so they can early enroll. This is just a different step in that direction of, you know, oh, you're going to enter early enroll anyway. So how about you just move your whole family out here? So that way it's that much less of a, you know, a, a move when you finally do have to move in for campus. And plus, I mean, like I said, he comes from an NFL background. So it's not like his family couldn't afford to do the move like this. And listen, just in terms of general recruiting, I think this is something we will see more in part because there used to be yeah. – um societally a barrier to things like this i I remember from covering high school sports in indiana you hear stories of like back in the 50s where um so lafayette jeff high school was like the big high school at one time in 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 that county that i covered and they have stories of like oh you know back in the day such and such you know there was this big time basketball player in colorado and his family they got his dad a job in lafayette working at the auto plant so he could move out here and play basketball and like those things are maybe they're tall tales or whatever. But now societally, because remote work in so many industries is so popular, I it's much easier to move a family across the country, even temporarily, to do something like this. So I, I would not be surprised at all if you start mm-hmm. to see this more and more over the years. So let's talk about what this potentially means for Ohio State. And it's not like an A plus B equals C thing. But there is a connection here. So he left Pinnacle High School in Phoenix, Arizona to enroll at or is leaving to enroll at Buford High School in Georgia. Now, Buford High School is a name known to people for two reasons around Ohio State. Number one, it's also the uh, alma mater of Harry Miller, who came from Buford and had Mm -hmm. a very – at a, a very you know good start to his career. And obviously things went a, a different yeah. way for him just personally. Um, but it's also the high school of two five-star athletes that Ohio state has been pursuing. So can you kind of get into both of those guys and where Ohio state stands with those guys? Because uh, obviously it will be, uh, I would assume a big mission of Dylan Rayola to try to get these guys to stay with him at Georgia now. Yeah, K.J. Bolton, the number seven player and now in the top safety in the country, also goes to Buford. Buford actually just cranks out top uh, top 105-star recruits every single year. So this is a yeah. place where this is a- Georgia would be in anyway. So it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, dealing being sure, there sure. is not – Oh, now no, no, George is in. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I'm, I'm not saying that for you. I'm saying it for the listeners here. And then Edric Houston, the number 19 player, the number four defensive lineman. Both of those five stars were on campus this past weekend with basically Air Nolan, Gearby Lambert, and a bunch of highly rated defensive players was this past weekend's group of uh, official visitors. Air Nolan and Gearby Lambert were later additions to that, which kudos to Air Nolan. I mean, he spent the weekend. He spent Wednesday, Thursday, Friday out in L.A. earning an Elite 11 induction and then flew right to Columbus to be on an official visit on a weekend where it's 
probably a big deal that your quarterback was here. So kudos to air, get you some sleep. Um, no pun intended with the air, but these are two guys that Ohio state would love. It's that premium positions, right? This is Perry Eliano trying to pay off the idea of, man, he might be a home run hire if you just get him in a program where he can actually compete for some of these top tier players. He got close in last cycle with guys like Caleb Downs, but couldn't really close the deal there because Alabama's Alabama. Well, here we are again with a guy like KJ Bolden, where it's literally his cousin, but he's also living in the state where as a defensive player, his home school is the back-to-back reigning national champions who did that on the back of their defense. Not a hard thing, not an easy thing to sell. A kid did not go to. So we'll see with that one. But from what I've heard, that visit went really well. Home run hit, knocked it out the park. Doesn't mean anything until he actually commits and signs on a dotted line, though. But great progress was made there. And the same thing with Edric Houston, where Georgia maybe feels like it's third, while it's more of an Ohio State-Clemson race there. But still, the same logic there applies of defensive player, home school, defensive school, national champions. All the There's extra details there where maybe Ohio State makes more sense, like the fact that you know Georgia runs a 3-4 and he's a traditional defensive end, which probably fits better in a four-down up front situation. But this is still Georgia we're talking about in the SEC. Anything is possible. So you have those two guys, and now you sprinkle in that their quarterback this year is going to be the number one player in the country, at least in the ratings right now, a five-star quarterback, no doubt, and a guy who's supposed to be a can't-miss prospect, and that guy's going to be hanging out with them every single day. So, of course, it's something that you have to mention of, hey, Georgia now has another recruiting tool who can be there nine to five, really nine to nine, Monday through Friday. Because you've got school and then, of course, you've got practices as well. So it's something that it's just an extra detail of how Georgia can go about attacking some of Ohio State's same prospects. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not nine to five. It's there's morning workouts. There's uh, the the different social media and and personal connection you have with guys. It's uh, you, you play on Friday night. You're watching film Saturday morning together as a team like there's it. So there's a definite connection there. I don't think it's anything that on on its face just locks up those guys it's just another mm-hmm. it's just another weapon in the fight that these teams have I, I hesitate to say fight it's not violent uh the football is violent the recruiting shouldn't be violent but uh, it to me yeah. this whole thing though this whole episode today uh was recording this on wednesday it's been a i don't know a refreshing it's a quaint reminder that recruiting has not fully shifted to an NL only scenario like a a, a tit for tat scenario it is there's still you know relationships and like good old fashioned politicking and maneuvering and uh, just, just weird stuff going on on the sidelines. Like that stuff is still very much alive. It's, it's like this, this felt like a kind of a, even though it's, it's modern cause it's a guy with his fourth high school in four years and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's still, it's sort of a tinge of like an eighties, nineties recruitment day to it. They're like, Oh, something sly is going on here and uh, wink, winking and not nod and uh we'll we'll see what happens listen there's new cheating in quotes quote unquote cheating with what nil has become it was refreshing today to see the old-fashioned cheating that cheating in quotes that you know and love you know that it's always good to get back to the basics sometimes yeah no one is we're not actually (laughs) accusing georgia of doing anything untoward here i just feel like it's it it was it, it got us away from the uh Oh well, I guess they just paid him too much money right. to sign. Like there's this is another step beyond that 
of of just the, the kind of relationships that get built and how quickly things can kind of converge around mm-hmm. a, a guy. So, I mean, there are people who still think that the Dylan Riola thing could take some other left turn or have been thinking that, right? Like the Nebraska connection has always been there. He's already decommitted once. He can't stay in. He changes high schools more often than, um, I, I, I don't even diaper, know. Was, changes changes high schools more often. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, because you can't like, you can't change high schools more than that. Like you, like there are juvenile delinquents who get expelled, who don't <laughs> change high schools every year. Um, so, but this would seem to maybe end that. That now it's going to be like this would almost certainly mean that Dylan Riola is going to Georgia 100%. I know we're only now six months away from signing day or whatever, but this, you, you're, you're, the bets would have to move in that direction, right? Away from some other, again, crazy left turn still being on the table. I mean, this would be really weird to move this close to Georgia just to end up at like Nebraska or USC because then, yeah, like, what are you doing here? So, yeah, I, I guess this. I mean, I don't know if you can really ever close the book on anybody's recruitment until they sign. And even then, the transfer portals, you can be right back in that. I mean, actually, even further than that, we've seen some kids in the 2023 class sign, get on campus, spend the spring there, and then end up in the transfer portal after six months. So anything's possible in this college football world. But, yeah, this is probably the proper nail in the coffin for what it is of what the Dylan Rayola recruitment has been over the last couple of years here. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the first time that we have a, a true layover uh, recruitment at Ohio State where a guy comes in, just spends uh, the spring, and then is gone. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to get one eventually. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm on watch for when that eventually happens. It's, isn't the countdown on? Like, it, it, now Ohio State has been one of the places that sort of avoided that nonsense, though. Like, the stuff that goes on at like the Texas A&Ms of the world, yeah. some of the other SEC places, it doesn't quite get as weird as that here. And that's that's by design a little bit for Ohio State. And it, it costs you maybe once in a while certain guys you don't go after. But, it, man, does it save you some headaches, too. And I I would tend to say that the uh, lack of sizzle is worth the stake in that case. Yeah, I I really hope the weirdest thing we get is that Quinn Ewers came a year earlier, well, six months earlier than he should have come. Just because it, it would almost – because part of that is you probably recruited a guy whose character you didn't completely, you know, do your homework on with stuff like that. Or just like something went wrong. If you're leaving a school after 15 practices in the spring, something went wrong. That and like, yeah. oh, that, well, that wasn't just simply, oh, I'm lower in the death chart or, oh, I was promised this and did some, some things. That's a list of things that would have gone wrong to where, listen – just because we have to do our jobs, we're probably not just checking with one or two people to see, hey, is he gone? You're probably trying to figure out why that happened. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That, But I, with the Quinn Ewers situation, that was out of the ordinary. Right. It was special circumstances. I think if a guy came here on his own schedule in January and was in the portal by May, Ohio State would consider that a failure. I don't know if they consider mm-hmm. the Quinn Ewers thing a failure in the same way. The second right. thing would be a failure. Something For something sure. fell apart. and uh, But they've avoided that sort of thing to this point. So we'll see if that is something they ever have to go down. All right. Enough about a guy who isn't coming to Ohio State and will never come to Ohio State unless they have to play a playoff game up here in the 12-team format. Let's talk about guys Ohio State is recruiting when we come back from this break here on Buckeye Talk. 
So along with camp season, Ohio State has been having these big official visit weekends. You were talking about Aaron Olin and the other guys who were in this past weekend. Who is coming in this weekend that people need to know about? So uh, this is now the smallest group since Air decided to come a week early and Gerby showed up a week earlier. Uh, the, the most important names are Bryce West and, and, and Aaron Scott, the number yeah. 49 player and four cornerback and the number 54 player and five cornerback. This is it. This is Ohio State versus Michigan. Um, I was talking to some people today. They feel really comfortable, especially about Bryce West, where it's like, I, I listen, I, I just don't see him not coming to Ohio State. I don't see it. This is a Glenville kid who is – I mean, related to Ted Ginn Sr., who sent his son, Ted Ginn Jr., here 20 years ago. I just don't see it. It, He came out and said it's an Ohio State-Michigan race, which it is on paper, but I just don't see him not being a Buckeye. And I think this official visit is where you kind of see the the exclamation point get put on that and we get closer and closer to him to making a decision here. Aaron Scott's a little bit more complicated. That is also an OS, Ohio State-Michigan battle, but I think Oregon has played a big role here as well. He actually grew up loving Oregon, which I mentioned the last time we did one of these pods. I think there's a chance they, – they need to make a statement this weekend, a big statement in a way that Michigan has pushed hard here. And I do think – I still think he ends up at Ohio State too, but I'm just a little bit less – I'm not as confident with that one as I am with Bryce West, where Bryce West, who also – took an unofficial visit to Michigan in the middle of the week. None of that bothers me the same way that it feels like it does with Aaron Scott. So that's, that's important there. Tim Walton has done a really good job getting that room back together, both on the recruiting trail and the guys who are expected to have meaningful roles in this season. But he's got to finish that off here with Bryce West and Aaron Scott. And then I'll throw in the other cornerback who might end up being in this class as well. And that's Miles Lockhart, number 356 player and the number 31 cornerback. That's a guy where, We've talked about how Ohio State might be recruiting corners to play that nickel safety role in the future. That's a guy I would look at to potentially play that role as well. And if that does happen, there might be room to bring in another cornerback later down the line, maybe an in-state guy like Terrion Nichols later down the line, but he is not scheduled. It's official. So those are the corners making their visits. And then there's two linebackers coming. The lone commit is Peyton Pierce, number 170 player, number 16 linebacker in the country. Garrett Stover took his visit last week, and so this week is 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 Peyton Pierce's turn, and it's going to be his job to get Kingston Vialamu Asa. Hopefully, I'm, I've, I worked on that so many times, so I'm trying to say that right. So Kingston, the number 100 player and number seven linebacker in the country. Ohio State wants three linebackers. They've already got Garrett Stover, who looks more like a linebacker than a safety this year than he did last year. Those questions of which one he was going to play, I think he spent the last couple of months here really solving that for them because he did camp last week as well. Him and Peyton Pierce already committed. They would like Kingston to join him. I think he's, at this point, the best case of that happening. Kingston has been to Columbus a lot. Uh, I still remember the first time he came here was two years ago when it was him and Mateo Uyangaleye and a couple other things, John Bosco's kids as well. So it's kind of the same concept that you have with Mateo where, listen, I mean, he's been here multiple times as a kid from L.A. If he's – this is the best case scenario for whether or not you would get a kid like that. And obviously it didn't work out with Mateo, but I do think it ends up working out with Kingston here who is expected to make a decision sometime in mid-July. And then there is another guy who is expected to be be here, but I am wondering if that visit still gets made. And that's the highest rated guy of this group. That's Justin Scott out of St. Ignatius, Chicago, Illinois, the number 14 player, the number three defensive lineman. There was a time when it felt like Ohio State would win that 
because he was supposed to commit to Notre Dame back in the winter, early spring. And then he jumped off of that commitment date, which was positive thing for Ohio State because it gave Larry Johnson more time to do his work. And now it feels like Larry Johnson's board is always hard to read because of the assistant coaches. He's always kept everything the closest to the vest, but it feels like Ohio State's gone in some different directions as well as Justin Scott has as well. So we'll see if that visit even still ends up getting made. If it does, kudos for Ohio State. If it doesn't, and a lot of it's because there's some other guys on the board that maybe Ohio State's maybe a little bit higher on at this point. So that's the only if everybody else is supposed to come this weekend. And so once again, another small group, but uh, last weekend was, hey, Perry and hey, Larry, can you make some waves with guys like KJ, guys like Peyton Woodyard, guys like Edric Houston and Dylan Stewart. Now it's Tim Walton's time to step up to the mic and be the lead singer with guys like Bryce Wett with pretty much what might end up being his cornerback class all in town this weekend. Obviously a pretty huge weekend uh, for this defense. I mean, especially for that secondary. I mean, this is a, uh, do you feel like the weekend is make or break or is it just another element in, in the process? Could it be uh, like how, how much of a, a, uh, how much re- the reverberations of, of one official visit weekend can have for a guy? I think with this group, I think this is it. Um, it's not the biggest thing, but it is the final thing on the list of big things because um, you said sign up for the text. Well, over the next couple of weeks here coming out of this, it's going to get serious. There's going to be a lot of you know booms and a lot of I made my decisions. We go from June is the month of a thousand visits. July is the month of a thousand announcements. And so this is, I, I do think there's a lot that riding on the line here because like I said, I do expect Bryce West to be making a decision at some point in the next you know month and a half. I do expect Aaron Scott to be have made a decision by the end of July. Um I do expect Kingston to have made a decision by the end of July. Uh even last week, and you take a guy like Edric Houston, who right now he is trying to wait until August twenty second to make his decision. Um which and he, the question was this week, was he going to make the Alabama official visit or not, which he ended up, he is going to make that visit. But does he move up that date? Has Ohio State done enough in that race to make him feel like I can't wait till August? I'm going to make that decision now. A lot of the spots are going to start filling up here. And a lot of wins and a lot of losses are going to be had here between the moment these official visits start ending on Sunday to the, mo- to the end of July. And so it's a big deal. It, these are these are the last. It's kind of like your last say so, before these kids start making their decisions, and you go from fighting to win these kids to fighting to keep them. Well, let's wrap this up then. Uh, just a couple minutes here. What was the most positive thing you think for Ohio State during camp season this year? Who? I'll I'll say a couple from a camp season standpoint. I think some boards started to form whether it's at quarterback and realizing I think we just found our 2025 quarterback or Brian Hartline, who obviously, I mean, he's doing his thing receiving wise and he's just waiting on two guys at this point. He's always two or three steps ahead because he's always worked so far ahead of everybody else. You saw some guys start to be targets from him. You you saw Larry Johnson start to, you get targets and boards started to form this year in a way that maybe you would have hoped 
coming out of it. That's all you can really ask for when you're doing a lot of these camps, when you're focusing on the future is, do you feel like you come out of this and you can start placing people on your board? I think a lot of the assistant coaches had an opportunity to do that. I think from my perspective, just seeing assistant coaches at work, seeing how Keenan Bailey operates, seeing the value of James Laurinaitis on the recruiting crowd when these kids get on campus and seeing what that looks like and kind of validating what you think might be there later down the line. Uh, from Ryan Day's perspective, it feels like because they figured out some things, he's maybe delegated some responsibilities. He just like looked a lot less stressful <laughs> walking around when you saw him when last year it felt like you never saw him. He was in a meeting for this or a meeting for that or trying to meet for a recruit. So it felt like a machine that was running a little bit more smoothly and I think from an official visit standpoint, just to throw that in there as well, you feel good about the momentum that's coming out of these visits where last year it felt like well, that visit didn't go as well as you, the weekend didn't go as well as you maybe thought, hoped it would have gone. Or it felt like any momentum you had on defense was fool's gold, whether because of NIL or because we just hadn't seen a good, or I'll say defense, and some assistant coaches who can tell kids this is how they see them. More important than whether it's good or not, because if it's not good, you can tell a kid, oh, hey, you're the thing that can help make it good. But having the same assistant coaches come back for another year from a defense who actually made improvement, now these assistant coaches can have conversations, whether it's Perry Eliano telling a safety, this is the role you fit in in the three-safety defense, or Tim Walton saying, hey, this is where you fit in. Hey, this is where you fit. Linebacker, jacks, defensive linemen, all that together together. It feels like it feels very similar to how it felt in the spring where momentum is headed in a positive direction, but you can also believe it and you don't feel like you're going to get left holding the bag in December while you lost out on your top five, six, seven options at the end of the end of the cycle. So that's the 2023 Ohio State camps next week on Buckeye Talk. Doug is due back uh, midweek, but before you get him, you're going to get us for a couple episodes. I've got one that I recorded with. T-Shoe, Tyler Shoemaker, talking about his off-season numbers, what they mean for Ohio State and Michigan and the Ohio State-Michigan game. I thought it was there's some interesting stuff there. And then Stephen and I will be back next week to talk about projecting kind of the conclusion, the the, the end game for this 2024 class and what it's going to – how that could wrap up for Ohio State, who could in, end up being in it now between now and the next – now and signing day, I guess, uh, the next six months, and what that's going to mean going forward for this program. So either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week is probably when you're going to hear that here. So until then, for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk.